So hello and welcome to our series of podcasts from our Arrow Vision event in 2019. Wow, what a day, eh? What a day. This is um, So this is the first time we've run this event, and essentially what we've done is taken over the whole of Olympia. And I'm not even joking, the whole of Olympia. It's, it's a big old place, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And we filled it. We didn't do too bad, did we, actually? We've done Congrats fantastic. to all the Arrow team involved. That's what I'd say. Very that much. That was a very much big thing. old call, that. So what you're going to listen to over the next uh, six weeks is essentially the sessions, the breakout sessions that we had at Vision. So we've recorded them all as audio files, and we're essentially going to put them out for your listening delights. And I tell you what, that's going to cover a heck of a lot of topics as well, isn't it? Yes. So we've had uh, data intelligence, AI. IoT. So apologies in advance, you're going to hear my dulcet tones again. Security, cloud, and next generation data center. So, I, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I, we're too polite. Mate. We are too polite. Aren't we? Yes. <laughs> so I think, um, hopefully, yeah, for your listening pleasure, um, if you were unable to attend Vision this year, um, I think, yeah, you get an insight as to hopefully some of the uh, some of the content, some of the trends, some of the some of the latest news, some of the updates from vendors old and new, yeah, absolutely, and from uh, across the uh, the Arrow family. Yes, very much so. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, you know, I, I would always suggest any feedback, much received. Yeah, hashtag Arrowfamily on Twitter. Yeah, awesome. And we will, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it and we'll speak to you soon. Brilliant. Enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining our IoT stream this afternoon. Um, my name is Richard Holmes. I'm Business Development Director for IoT for the UK and Ireland uh, for Arrow ECS. Um, what we thought we'd like to do today is, is talk a little bit about some of the things that are required to, to build a successful business, to, to build a successful engagement with a client and a customer around all things Internet of Things related, which is a bit all-encompassing subject, but to help me, I have some experts from across our business. So joining me this afternoon will be Andy Smith from our global services business and uh, Andrew Bickley from our global components business. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up the session with a Q&A session where we'll be joined by Jamie Davey from our global components UK business. Uh, and also we're joined by Simon from Intel Corporation this afternoon. So without further ado, Mark spoke this morning about how the wider Arrow business comes to play when it comes to working around specific topics, specific se segments and technology areas, and IoT was one of those things. Um, for us, one of the things that we've learned working across the Arrow businesses, and to try and put into context some of my colleagues and where they're from and the viewpoint that they'll bring, I just wanted to set the scene. IoT for us, we found really is a lot like an iceberg, which is an overused analogy, but bear with me. In our IT-centric world, we, we kind of think IoT is, is very much about creating insight from data. And, and again, it was one of the themes throughout the keynotes this morning. However, from an IT perspective, we kind of forget some of the fundamental aspects how we actually get that data in the first place. It's all right to create insight from data, but, but actually, that data comes from digitizing the physical world. 
And whilst we might be more than competent, more than comfortable of operating inside the data center, we might be more than comfortable talking about storing, analyzing, archiving, recovering data from an IT-centric perspective. Sometimes we have to go back to basics a little bit and think about how we create that data in the first place, get it to the network, and get it into the data center. So to put it in context, colleagues that will be joining me this afternoon come from across our RO businesses. And it works real nicely for us because Andrew comes from a background of understanding electronics, engineering, components, how we build encapsulated devices that will help us collect data that's fundamental to delivering a business outcome in the first place. Andy comes from a background of more operational technology. Global services are our industry specialists. And again, ECS, once we're in the comfort of our data center, that's where we can deliver some value. So now you know a little bit about where some of the speakers this afternoon are from. I'd like to hand over to Mr. Smith, and we'll kick off this session. Thanks, Richard. Is this mic working? You can hear me OK? OK, thank you. I shall put that one down there. Thanks, Richard. And so Arrow Global Services is um, recently renamed uh, because we now like to lead with services. Services is where a lot of our growth is coming from and a lot of our investment. We're also the place where, as Richard touched on, the intelligent edge happens, this connection between OT and IT. So many of our team come from the embedded electronics background, but we also have people that understand how you move data to the cloud. So we sit in that middle place. So that's just to position our part of the business. I'm going to talk a bit about this question why before how, and hopefully by the end that'll make some sense as to, to what I'm talking about. There's a, a frightening statistic that I uncovered, and um, actually there's a lot of data analyzing this. Um, I'm sure, like, like me, many of you have been hearing the hype around Internet of Things for, for many years now. It's not a new thing. In fact, arguably, we're at the trailing edge of the hype, and we're into this trough of disillusionment, as sometimes gets described. And this statistic is frightening. This says that more than two-thirds of all IoT pilots or proof of concept projects, they fail. And they get into something that, that I like to call POC purgatory, where somebody deploys a solution to test the idea. Um, but it doesn't really get off the starting blocks. It goes to that place where you deploy a few sample solutions. Um, and what often happens is uh, somebody senior in a company says, we really ought to do something with IoT. We don't have a strategy. I don't know, we'll get the IT team, or even worse, our engineering team, to go and build something. And that's okay, and they very often will start collecting data, and they'll send that to the cloud or to some kind of central place. Um, and maybe they've got a dashboard and they're looking at data, and they feel good about that. But at that point, there's a question about what's the business need here, and, and what is the reason we're doing this? And that's why I'm suggesting that we spend more time uh, all of us thinking about why we're doing this. What is the driver behind an IoT project rather than how we do it? Arrow is full of engineers, um, especially on the component side and, and where I sit. And engineers, I used to be one once, are notorious for doing something because you can. 
And it's a dangerous place for us to go when we're spending company resources unless we really understand what our goals are. So it's my hope that through this short presentation, you'll see that what Arrow's investing in now is, is a process with our customers where we, we encourage them to think a lot more about why they might be embarking on this journey rather than just diving into how to do it. And the approach we take is pretty simple, but um, I just want to walk you through the steps that we see as really working well with our customers. So the first part of that is just to talk some more about business transformation, what that is. If you were here this morning for Mark's uh, keynote introduction, he spoke a lot about digital transformation and business transformation. And then IDC followed up with a very similar theme, focused on AI, but really about digital transformation. And we all hear a lot about that, but there's actually multiple strands to that. The core of this theme is to really make sure that we fully understand our own business before we start investing in a project or a solution. So we'll talk a bit about how we do that and how we facilitate that with our customers. And last, just to highlight that this is business outcome driven. We really need for us and our customers to have some ROI from whatever investment we're making together. Um, and that we've got a structured approach to this. So when, when our customers embark on this journey with Arrow, we see um, a confident return on that investment. I'm conscious the sun just came out and uh, you're all hiding from the sun. That's a good thing, right? So first of all, just a few words about how we see business transformation. And, and this has been spoken about many times today. Um, I, for those of you familiar with Microsoft, you'll recognize the font. I don't pretend I, I created this slide. But I, lots of our vendor partners um, speak a lot about this. I like the way Microsoft summarize it, but um, they, they all have the same kind of themes. And really, these are four reasons why you might go on a business transformation journey as a company. Um, and you may find that more than one of these is your driving reason. The first I'm going to touch on is empowering employees. So there'll be a lot about workplace transformation, uh, giving your employees a productive environment. So enhancing your productivity and the ROI can come from that. And that may be the only reason to embark on a transformation. Engaging customers, obviously looking outwards to your customers, knowing your customers in a far more intimate way, being able to segment their needs, identify with more granularity, what they're looking for, and measure that and start to fine tune your strategy. So anything you can do uh, to help you uh, accomplish that, that would also come under this umbrella. The more obvious um, and more talked about areas of transformation would come either from optimizing, therefore saving costs in your business. So anything, any business which is driven by operation, uh, operational costs heavy logistics, uh, the Ocado business that was touched on as an example this morning by IDC. A lot of that is driven out of really optimizing operations. So a transformation in that area. And last but certainly not least, and maybe the most challenging, is to transform genuinely what you offer to the market. The most obvious examples is moving away from selling products to services, but uh, maybe moving away from 
capitalizing those products to as a service type offerings, but there are many other ways that you can transform your service offerings. Um, and again, Ocado, I love that example because they went from being really a services business serving food retail to being a platform company selling something that was scalable and repeatable. So really understanding their IP. And I'd love to have been in the boardroom or the strategy meetings when they explored how they were going to shift direction. And I wonder if they use some of the tools that I'm going to share with you now. So really that's how we see business transformation. I'm sure there's other examples that, that you might be able to throw at us, but that's, that's how I see it. So before I dive into a bit more detail about what we do with customers around that process, I just want to suggest that um, sometimes we find it's helpful to, to take a step back and do some kind of art of the possible discussion with a customer. For many of us, IoT is something we've been living with for, for a lot of years. And we kind of forget that as engineers and technology people, we take for granted that we know how to connect sensors to gateways to the cloud and we know what the technology can do for us. But a lot of times our customers are not technology people and they, they really don't appreciate what is possible. Uh, and hopefully if you've had a chance to look around, you might have seen some of the sensor examples and the use cases that we're showcasing in the demos. And that's part of how we would um, encourage our customers to at least understand what's possible. So although we don't want to dive straight into a solution, sometimes it's helpful and we're very happy to show some relevant solutions. But let's step back to this business transformation discussion for a moment. Um, has anyone heard of the business model canvas? Few hands, okay. So this is not our Arrows IP. This is something that has been developed across industries and is actually a tool set um, that has been widely adopted by many consultants, by many technology companies, and, and Arrow's embracing this approach. And really, the, the heart of this is to say that unless you really know your business, you fully understand what makes you tick, it's very hard for you to then embark on a transformation journey because you may not fully appreciate what you're up against. And this sounds counterintuitive, the leaders of most companies you'd expect would really fully understand their business. And they, they may do in terms of what they need to, the levers to pull and the, the profitability of that company. But do they truly have the time or the opportunity to take a step back and think about that? So this tool, and there's, there's a book that will uh, help walk you through this in much greater detail. We put up on a whiteboard in a meeting room for half a day or a day this picture. And we will sit with a client and by the end of the day we will have, we'll have post-it notes stuck all over that wall with notes and comments and statements in each of these boxes. And I'm not going to walk through all of it now, but hopefully you can get a sense of how this helps you get a full 360 of your business. Right in the middle is the value proposition of your company. When I joined Arrow, I, I joined the components division and I understood, I think, very well what Arrow's business was about. But if I'm honest, I'm not sure I could have encapsulated that into one sentence that was our value prop. 
a lot of businesses think they understand themselves, but when you ask them for their value prop statement, if I ask five people in the room, I get five different answers. And that's a bit troubling because really that should be the core. Why are we here? What are we doing as a business? And, and what is our value, most importantly, to our customers um, and to, to our employees? So we might start by asking that question, what is your value proposition? Sometimes it comes very concisely and that's fantastic. But sometimes it's a bit ambiguous or maybe all over the place. And in that case, we might then work from the outside back inwards. And one of the really powerful outcomes from this process is to leave that session with a very crisp and uh, very well articulated value proposition. So if you don't already have that, that's a great outcome on its own. But you can imagine if you start asking questions about your supply chain from your partners, suppliers, uh, the resources that you rely upon as a company, and then of course about your customers, uh, the relationships you have, maybe you have a channel strategy, maybe you go direct to end customers. When you start mapping all of that out, it becomes much easier to then articulate what your business really does and where the value comes from in that, in that whole business model. Where the money comes from and, and what your cost structure is is important, of course. So that's a process whereby we facilitate that um, and we need senior people in the company to buy into that process. And really, none of that is about technology. That's about knowing who you are as a company. Now, I've just used one example, which I just found online as a, as a real example of, of a company we all know. We may not love them, but we all know them. Um, and in the end, they just provide a platform that connects drivers with passengers. That's a fairly clear statement. But when you, I'm not going to walk you through the whole thing, but you see just an example of how you'd map this out for a company we know. But it doesn't only apply to kind of dot-com dot .com startups and new technology companies. Um, one of the challenges I quite liked, somebody asked me what Black & Decker do, a company that makes power drills. I said, well, they make power drills. Well, do they? And the, and the rather flippant response was, well, they actually make holes. Okay, so when I go into B&Q to buy a drill, I may be going in because I want a power drill, that could be a boy's toy, but really I'm going in because I have a need to put some shelves up and I need some holes in the wall. And the Black & Decker provide me the tool to facilitate that. But if I could get a hole for a dollar and somebody would come and do that for me, that might be another approach and that's a disruptive way to look at the power drill industry. So any OEM, any company, any service provider, any product builder can challenge their value proposition and talk about who they really are and what they deliver to their customers. And that's really what this process facilitates. So, so that's the tools that we use. And there's a bit of process that we wrap around this. And by the way, we Arrow Services, Arrow Global Services, this is a service that we can provide to your clients uh, and to you. Um, and we have a structured approach to this. And we believe this is um, a repeatable approach to, to doing this. The first and maybe most important step is to get commitment from the right level of individuals in your customer. There is no point in going in and sitting down with procurement or engineering or marketing 
unless the senior strategic leaders of the business buy into this process. That you will only get a small part of the story and more importantly, you won't get the commitment to execute on whatever it is might be the outcome. And so there's a lot of groundwork in the sales cycle of making sure we've conveyed to the stakeholders in the business just what the value of this might be. We would go to a client Right in the middle of this is the business model workshop where the canvas is, is used. Before that, we would want to do a lot of groundwork with the client and on our own to research their market, their competitors, understand the dynamics in that environment. We're not as expert as the client, but we want to come there with some insight so that we're guiding the discussion in the right way. Because in the end, um, the more appropriate our guidance is, the, the better the outcome. And the business model workshop itself might be half a day or it could be a full day. And that's a big commitment from the C-suite in a client. To, and that's the hardest part, to get a commitment that will have the right people in the room and that they will not be distracted and leave for a, an important phone call. But that's critical. Without that buy-in, it won't work. So we use that time to map out the business model canvas and workshop around that. Usually the outcome of that will be some highlighted flags, opportunities, threats, um, challenges that the business faces. And those become prioritized action plans. And so, for example, if you identify that your operations is and the costs associated with that are really hitting your profitability as a company, and you're struggling to grow and scale your operations to cope with your growth, that might just surface as the number one priority, the challenge that you have to face before everything else. It could, on the other hand, be something around customer experience or customer engagement. And so through that process, what we find is one, two, three priorities surface, and they can be prioritized. And from that, you've then got something to attack. The next step would then be some kind of action plan and you'll notice we've not talked about IoT very much. IoT is the outcome many times, not always. Sometimes there'll be something you could do internally or with systems and data you already have access to, which doesn't require any new technology. That's not great for me, uh, but it's good for your client to spend their time and money in the place that gives them the return on investment. So that simple process, by the way, this is a consulting offer service to our customer. This costs money and we charge money for this service um, depending on the scale of the engagement. But there's huge value in coming out of this process with something where they really understand this, the direction to take and they've got some costed options as to how to accomplish that. So that's me. I just wanted to challenge the thinking that engineers always want to build stuff and we do, but really we want to take a step back. And as Arrow, honestly, we don't, we don't make a whole lot of money out of a pilot or a proof of concept. And the customer becomes disillusioned if we de deliver that in a hurry because they ask for it, but we don't challenge them to really understand the business drivers behind it. Solve a problem worth solving, um, work with us in Arrow. If you're in the ECS channel, 
and you're speaking to end users, you are perfectly placed to help them challenge this thinking because they'll really value your guidance if you start to show them that you're not just selling them what they ask for, but providing strategic direction to their business. Just a little plug so you can come and see IoT stuff that's really working. Each one of these solutions, and a few more in fact, are out either on the Intel stands, which is just right outside this, this door here, or round on the Arrow Hub, uh, we have the smart office uh, space analytics solution. Each one of these is ready to go to market. Um, and so once we know what your business problem is, we have these and many more solutions to apply. So with that, I think my colleague Andrew Bickley will, uh, will now take the stage. Thank you. Yes. So good afternoon. Um, my claim to fame. So I, w I believe I was the first person to see IoT actually invented. So the year was 2003. I was living in Finland working with Nokia. It was February, it was like minus 25 outside, and a Nokia guy says, come to my office. I go into his office and he takes his mobile phone, he connects his mobile phone to his sauna at his cottage in the, uh, in the country, and he turns the sauna on, and he says, I'm now gonna drive for an hour, and when I get to the sauna, it'll be warm, and I'll go straight into the sauna. And that, for me, was the first time that I saw practical IoT, so that was in 2003. And 16 years later, we're gonna to explain to you how we see IoT uh, today. So, a uh, question for the audience. Uh, anybody seen this movie? Yeah, uh, I've, got the, I've got the video, I've got the DVD, and I've got the, the Netflix uh, download. And the important thing about this video is literally just take a look around and see what's happening, right? Because things are moving incredibly fast. And if you think about it, the discussion that we've all probably been associated with sometime over the last three to four years is around somebody in a company saying, I need to digitize my business. So what, what, what does that mean? But it basically means I need more information about what, what's happening real time in my business. So we had the digital transformation. And then that moved into IoT, connecting things up, and now we have something called artificial intelligence or AIOT, so what is that? But all of these things have happened literally in the last three to four years, and you could argue that we never actually got through digital transformation before IoT came, and now we have um, AIOT. So digital transformation I think is well underway, and companies saying, no, we're going to change. We're going to get more information. We're going to make informed decisions, real-time information. But in order to do that, we need IoT. And IoT is basically connecting things up, uh, getting real-time information, processing that, and making some decision outcome based on that. And one of the really interesting things is when we work with customers and we help them network their devices so that they can bring data in, we ask them the simple question, what are you going to do with your data? And you'd be amazed how many companies actually say, I don't know, right? And, and it's, we're sitting there going, all right, you're going to spend a lot of money connecting things up, and you don't know what you're going to do with it. 
And when you explore this, it's very logical because you've never seen the data before. You don't know what the data looks like. You don't know the data trends. You don't know the data frequencies. So phase one of any project that we're involved in is around what we call the first mile of IoT, which is connecting things up so that you can get your data, so you can get the first insights into what's happening. Only when you've got those insights and you've done the data analysis can you actually decide what the hell are you going to do with the data, because you've never seen it, seen it before. So the next thing we've got is this AIoT, so Artificial Intelligence of Internet of Things. And this links back to what I was previously saying, because now if you've connected everything up, you've got your devices, your manufacturing, your production, your deployed assets, all now sending you information. Now you've got to have a smart way of understanding that information. And some of that information you're going to want to analyze right at the edge so that there's no latency. Some of that information you might not need right now, so you're going to send it to the cloud and you're going to store it in the cloud and you're maybe going to analyze it in the next 24 hours or the next three to four days. But whatever is going to be happening with AIoT or IoT, we're going to need more data. We're going to need to network that data. It's going to be, it needs to be secure. We're going to have cloud-to-cloud -cloud communication and we're going to have to do something with that data. And that's typically what we're talking about with, a, with an IoT system. And it's very easy to put up on a slide, but it's so difficult to achieve. And this is what Andy was saying earlier. A lot of people get stuck in the phase of, you know, why am I doing this, doing a POC, and then realizing it's not going to go any further. Okay, and that, that's true. But I think if you approach it um, in the way Andy was suggesting, you'll speed up the, the POC process and you'll get to a business improvement. So, a couple of things which are driving um, IoT is cost of data. So now, if you look at data that you can transmit over a cellular network, you're now talking about two cents per megabyte of data. So if you talk to a CFO of a company and say, you know, how much data are you going to be sending? That's going to cost you two cents. Yeah, the CFOs get excited about that, as opposed to you telling a CFO, uh, before you send any data, you've got to invest something like two to $300,000 in hardware. So the cost of sending data over a cellular network just became incredibly low. It now means that people can look at IoT and not have to put hardware in place to send the data. And then if you look at the other side, if you're working with cloud, um, this is pricing from Microsoft. So if you want to connect something up to the cloud now, it's 50 cents per device per month. Yeah, so barely a cup of coffee. And you can send you know, 50,000 messages per month, 50 cents per device. So the important thing about that is if you want to scale, you know exactly what your costs are going to be. You don't have to employ a data center. You don't have to set up your own cloud infrastructure. You're actually just renting this service off Arrow. So you can see from connectivity and from data in the cloud, this now starts to become very economic. And that's what's driving a lot of IoT today, is that the pricing is at the point where it makes sense to do it. So one of the things that we see with uh, IoT companies or people embarking on an IoT project is you either come from one of two directions. So you're either a hardware guy 
and you're incredibly comfortable with doing hardware designs. You may have done eight to nine well-deployed hardware designs in, in your career, and they're in production and they're we're working great. Or you're a software guy, and you're incredibly good with databases, software, um, and you're not so, not so sure on hardware. So if you're the hardware guy, you're simply asking Arrow, what hardware can you give me which is already connected to the cloud and works? Yeah? You're not interested in the cloud, you're interested in the hardware and what comes with a, with a cloud. If you're, the, if you're the software guy or the IT guy, you're not interested in hardware, you're saying, I've already selected my cloud and I need data. How do you get me data? then it really does break down into those simple equations. You're either coming from a hardware perspective and you need to know more about the cloud, or you're coming from the cloud perspective and you need to know more about the hardware. And they're the two areas that we see people coming from. So the good thing about how we approach this is we bridge the deficiencies between whether you're a hardware guy and not so, not so experienced on cloud, or whether you're a cloud guy and not so experienced on hardware. So our process that we work with customers is that we will take any device with any data format and we will connect that to any cloud. We simply don't care. You need to consider us as the plumbing of getting your data from where it was generated to where it needs to be, where it needs to exist, and how it's going to get analyzed. All of the complications in, in between that is what Arrow has a core competence on. And of course, we're always going to be there to challenge customers in terms of, are you solving the biggest problem that your company has today? And honestly, we do sit in boardrooms and we listen to some of the uh, projects that are presented on the table and we really push back and go, is this really the biggest problem your company's trying to solve? Because sure, we can do this, but it doesn't sound like it's the biggest problem. So we will always challenge, but more importantly, please see working with Arrow as the plumbing the people who get you there faster, easier, you know, without complication and securely. So getting data to the network is what we do. And then we have other people in the organization who are really skilled at managing that data when it gets to the network. But this is easier said than done. So let's talk about the first mile of IoT. So here we're talking about generating the data. How do you generate data? It's sensors, it's imaging cameras, it's object detection. So you need to generate your data. And you probably need to do this at scale. You're not talking about 10 pieces or 100 pieces. You could be talking about 10,000 sensors. Then once you've sensed the data, the question is, how are you going to get it to the next stage, whether that is a gateway or that's direct into a network? So how are you going to get it there? So are you going to use wired technology? Are you going to use wireless technology? And whichever way you choose, there are traps. So for example, we've had a lot of customers who've said, we're going to collect data, but we're going to send it over a LoRa network. That's fine. But then only recently has LoRa brought out a part of their specification, which says you can do an over-the-air firmware update to a device. So six months ago, we would explain to customers, we're happy with your choice of a LoRa network, but we just want to check how many times a year do you expect to upgrade a device with a firmware update? Two, three times per year. Because if you plan to do that, you can't. 
Laura wouldn't allow you to do it six months ago. So there are traps that you need to be aware of in terms of uh, the communication protocols, the costs, the power consumptions. But more importantly, I would say that's just a choice and we can guide you through the choice. One of the areas, if you are embarking on an IoT project for the very, very first time, one of the areas that you are going to get delayed on is going to be the sensing. Because the industry didn't really prepare for this, but there is no magic warehouse where the right sensor in the right mechanical structure with the right battery configuration, right, with the right hardware software, there isn't that big warehouse with all of these products in there. So there are solutions out there, and it's normally a compromise between best fit or there are solutions which have to be made. So the challenge with an IoT system is always going to be around the data capture. The wireless connectivity, choice. The data aggregation, there are gateways to do that. Your cloud and how you manage things in the cloud, again, it's an architecture that you can design. So we always say that the first mile of, the IoT, of IoT is where people get tripped up because they're not expecting this to be their biggest challenge. So when you look at the first mile, the things that we have to take into consideration is first that communication protocol. So what am I going to select as the wireless or wired communication protocol between the sensor to the network or to the data aggregator? The next thing is, you know, am I going to make or buy this? Yeah, am I going to take off the shelf? And if so, cost is going to become incredibly important if I want to scale. Or do I think I'm confident enough to actually design something, go it alone? and design something cost optimized. So there's the make or buy discussion. Cost will always come into it because if you are going to scale the price between 100 units and 10,000 units, if it's a $50 sensor, it's going to make a big, big difference to your budget. Power. We talked to one company, their profitability would collapse if they had to send an engineer out to the sensor to replace the battery within four years. So if you haven't got your power budgets correct, if you haven't really built in all of the, um, the headroom and you're having to send an engineer to replace a battery um, within 2.5 years, then the business model can collapse. Latency, so I do need to act real time on the data. So do you need to do processing at the edge, whether devices or at the gateway, or are you wanting to do everything in the cloud and you can accept latencies associated with that? Interoperability. So in three to four years' time, your system will grow. Have you thought about the interoperability between where you are now and where you need to go? So one of the things that is going to hit us like a train traveling at uh, 300 miles an hour is 5G. 5G is going to be one of the ubiquitous technologies that we will all use to connect things up with. So are you planning for 5G? Do you have an architecture roadmap which will support 5G? Security? critical. Right now in Europe, there is no legislation. There is guidelines on what you need to do when you connect things up. But you start to see it in countries like California, where very soon you will not be able to launch a product to the market unless you pass a certain security requirement. We look at that quite seriously and security is designed in and it's not an afterthought. And lastly is over-the-air firmware updates. Yeah, There was a recent study which said that when a device is deployed into the market, it will require its first firmware update within 60 days. So whether you like it or not, you have to build over-the-air firmware updates into any first mile of your system. 
you know, and getting data down, you know, a, a, a code down to a device sounds really, really simple. It is one of the biggest challenges because that code has to be on the device. We have to check it's authentic. We have to download it, make sure it's working. If it doesn't work, we have to backfit the previous code. It's very, very complicated. So the first mile of IoT is what we focus on so that the data gets where it needs to be so you can start processing it, you can start acting intelligently on your business. And when you talk about security, there's one thing that we always preach uh, when we're in projects. If you can't trust the data that is being generated, you, you, why would you trust data in the cloud? If you're sending data to the cloud and you sit back and say, I can't 100% agree that this data is authentic and it's correct, why would you let anybody else make decisions on that data? It doesn't make sense. And what we found is that some companies have a stop point. So you will have companies which will say, I can guarantee security up to the gateway. And then it's up to you. I'm out. I'm good when data arrives at the gateway. There are other companies which says, providing you get the data to me at the gateway, I will take care of the security. Right? And that's really a bit like taking your car to the garage for a, for a gearbox change. And the guy says, look, you know, I, I, can, I can do the gearbox, um, but I, you know, I'm no good on the clutch and the oil change. Can you get somebody else to do that? You're not comfortable with that, right? You want it all solved by one person. So this is where Arrow has a, has a strength. When you're designing an IoT system, whether it's starting off with the basic data generation to the network communication of that data to a gateway, from the gateway to the data center, Arrow will guarantee that that security architecture has been well validated, and it's using the best practices, and it's using the best advanced technologies to keep your system secure. And as you said, it's designed in from the start. It's not looked at afterwards. Yeah? So we have the security discussion up front. So in closing, my my request to anybody who is thinking about embarking on an IoT design or a business initiative, you know, please come and talk to Arrow because we do make what looks to be impossible very practical. And we've got the skill sets across Arrow to help you whether it's basic data generation, whether it's data aggregation, or whether it's actually using that data in a data center and making useful information and decisions on that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andy, for earlier. I'd like to close out this speaker session by just trying to bring everything together full circle and, and talk about, for me, the value to be found in partnerships. When it comes to embarking on an engagement with an end client, where, when it comes to, as a business, taking a decision about digital transformation, adopting new technology, as Andy said, yeah, it's, it, it's a pretty stark reality out there. Yeah, over 70% of IoT projects fail. Over two-thirds. It's a risky business. A recent report from Cisco 
looked into this. Why, why should projects fail? Never mind get trapped in POC purgatory, but why should they actually fail to deliver on what they embarked on? And one of the main reasons was this focus on technology over other impact areas, human factors. Yeah? Building something that delivers against a set of objectives is great, but if nobody in an organization is going to use a new set of tools, a new set of services, it's not really going to deliver anything, is it? Collaboration between people that understand the business, understand technology, understand end clients. It's been lacking in the past. We've very much focused on our area of core competencies. And even though, to paraphrase Andrew, yeah, IoT's been around in various shapes and guises for a very long time. The type of blended skills that you need to take an overall view and make a valued decision and judgment call on what do I invest in, when, where, and how. It's really difficult to find in one person, let alone one organization. And again, what we've learned is it's risky. Yeah, you can commit a heck of a lot of resource, time, money, expense, reinvent the wheel, go through various process cycles time and time again, and still find yourself failing at delivering an acceptable ROI within your end client. So why is success so uncommon? What we found, we don't profess to have the answers, but we can give you an idea based on the joint experience that we have across Arrow, from global services to global components to ECS. Because ultimately, looking at things like embarking on digital transformation, embarking on change, there's some relatively common challenges. We want to build a better view of the business. We want to optimize performance. We want to reduce cost, reduce waste, redeploy assets elsewhere. Yeah, we may be real cutting edge. We may be looking at developing new business models, but it could be just new features, new functions, new solutions. And if there's only really three common areas of challenge, that kind of doesn't really explain why so many projects fail. But when you start to look at it and multiply it by the number of verticals that we can find ourselves in, the number of areas where we can find ourselves talking about connecting a physical world, all of a sudden, it multiplies exponentially. So to try and be all things to all men, it's really, really difficult. What IoT really is starting to do now is it changes this paradigm from a single vendor, end-to-end -end solution that's, that's really clear, knowledgeable, we understand. We can take it to market, we can push it in, and, and we actually know that in an end client, we know. We know if it's done right, there's an ROI that, that returns. But actually, as you've seen from Andrew, as you've heard from Andy, yeah, single vendor, end-to-end -end solutions and methodologies, yeah, once you start looking at IoT, because there are so many different aspects to consider, engineering, software development, connectivity, management, 
it's a really complex proposition if you approach it from a technology point of view first. So more and more businesses and clients, channel partners like yourselves, suppliers, vendors, looking at a, stepping away from trying to answer everything themselves. It's fairly common. If you do a Google search, you look at IoT, you'll find phrases like solution alliance, ecosystem, partner programs. And they're becoming more and more ubiquitous. And there's a reason behind this. Not just Arrow, but a lot of our suppliers realize that we have core competencies in specific areas. We have gaps, areas where we don't profess to be experts. So how do we actually have a, a competent story around IoT, a meaningful proposition to end clients? The short answer is we don't. We have to start to partner to take the best of breeds, the right skills, the right sort of experience, and go to market together to end clients. And what you start to see is almost a blended approach. Yeah? Innovating and delivering technology to meet a customer's specific needs. And before that, actually understanding what those specific business needs are is really, really important. And I think over the last few years, what we found as Arrow is that the best way to back that kind of engagement is to look to build out strong partnerships. Bring in subject matter experts. Know your customers. Know your suppliers. Know your supply chain. Understand not what the out of the possible is, but actually what you could influence and, and do today. Yes, there is a time and a place for the delivery of a single source, end-to-end, off-the-shelf type solution. There is a place for more point-specific business process-led solutions. And there is a place for partnerships. But you can't back any of those horses unless you know when and where and how you play how you are going to build a successful, sustainable business around IoT or digital transformation, so topics like AI, without actually looking at understanding your customers' and clients' needs first. And building a partnership ecosystem, taking a joint proposition to market, <laughs> where do you start? Well, I think we look at putting partners into one of three different areas. We have horizontal partners, vertical partners, and geographical partners. And this might sound obvious, but we'll take a very quick look at these. Horizontal partners, the easiest way to describe them, it's, it's a lot of the suppliers that you see here today. These are businesses that have the scale, have invested in technology that is interoperable, and actually that allows the development of repeatable solutions. And from um, our perspective, from an IT channel perspective, you know what? Well, they draw on best practices that are really quite familiar to us. A vertical partners, again, kind of goes without saying. A lot of our partners, a lot of people in the room here today, 
parts of the Arrow family. Yeah, we understand, and you understand, particular market areas. You understand business operations in retail or in manufacturing. You understand the sort of technology environments that you'll face, and you'll understand the requirements. Geographic partners, again, quite obvious, really. Yeah, it's. It's partners that understand a, not just a market segment, but a particular, particular sphere. The, the associated, the, the soft influence on yeah, moving forward on a digital transformation project. Yeah. Economics, laws in a particular geo. What's needed, when, where, and how. How you pull it all together. And whichever way you see your business falling into one of these partner buckets. Actually, when you look at it at that higher level, you can start to see, well, it's obvious, really, you know, that we need to bring together elements across the board to deliver successful products. So I just want to quickly move on and, and look at a few of the types of go-to-market go to customer-type models that are based on some of those, those concepts around off-the-shelf, point, partnership piece, and, and how you might consider it from a, a horizontal, vertical, or a, a geographical perspective. The Neural from Symantec, yep. built in partnership with using Intel technology, is, is quite, for me, as, as close to an off-the-shelf type of solution as you're going to get. In, in manufacturing and plant, a lot of these systems are not connected to the net. They, they utilize compute technology. Yeah, they've all got PLCs, running code, ruggedized computes, and they need patch fixes, security fixes, firmware upgrades. Typically, they're delivered by a USB stick. And I'm sure we've all seen on the on the news, horror stories about infections getting into things like um, steelworks and, and the likes. Um, how do we deliver robust cybersecurity into a system where actually the update is via a USB stick? This is potentially an answer. Now, do you have to know an industrial environment inside out? Mm, I think it'd be beneficial if you did. Do you have to know how to create that device? Absolutely not. Symantec, Intel, they've done that piece for you. You have to understand that the type of end client you've got is involved in uh, critical infrastructure. Yeah, probably useful. Do you have to have an understanding of the risk that's involved in if malware got into an industrial environment? Certainly. Do you have to be an IoT expert? Probably not. So first step towards maybe exploring that market and understanding your customers and looking at, well, actually, do we have, do we have a significant amount of clients in that industrial and manufacturing space? And this could be something that starts to edge you into that type of conversation where you're talking about transformation, impact on business. And, and for us, I think it's a real good, sort of, if it fits for you, it's a toe-in-the-water approach to take. 
point solutions. So you could be a vertical partner, leveraging a horizontal partner like Symantec, and it looks a lot like channel business today if you took a neural to market. About a little bit more complexity. Well, for me, a point solution would be something discrete delivered into an end client that needs a little bit more than plug and play. Our colleagues in components work with a partner called Hanha. And the solution that they deliver there is, if I were to call it track and trace, it's, it's a little bit more than that. It's not just a physical device that goes in a parcel and we can track a shipment from A to B. I'm not giving a partner a cost for a device. What I'm actually interested in and what we can actually bring to bear is the data. By that, what I mean is what we're doing is we're exposing an API to you. You get a data stream from when the product's used. The design manufacturer of the product, the sensor, that's a, another partner's realm. All you have to concern yourself with is the cost of renting the data stream. Arrow and Hanha deliver the product to your end client. They activate it, put it in the shipment, and then we take the sensor feeds, tilt, acceleration, shock, temperature, light. And what we do is we stream that and expose it via an API. Perfect for a vertical partner who specializes in maybe uh, analytics, data visualization, software integration, data integration in an end client. Because what we're, not what we're not concerning ourselves with is delivering a product, a physical sensor device. That's within our domain. That's within a horizontal partner like Hanha. What you're getting is access to that data. From an IT perspective, that's great. Your business model isn't put under pressure to think about, right, I've got to go and design a product. I've got to go and manufacture it. I've got to go and certify it. What we can start to do is deliver something that's more like a point solution, a service that we can say, well, right, to an end client like a logistics company, how efficient is your supply chain? How well is it operating? When something's damaged in transit, how do you deal with that? What are the costs of employing administrators to figure out who's responsible, what went wrong, how do you fix it? What's the impact on customer service to your end client who's got a delayed shipment? Surely, wouldn't it be better to, to send a message to customer who's receiving the goods going, your product's going to be delayed by 24 hours because it's been damaged in contract, in, con in transit. What we've done is we've dispatched the replacement already. From a retail perspective, surely, yeah, if I'd ordered, say, a TV online and it gets delivered to me and it's damaged and broken, that's pretty poor experience. If I get a message going, 24 hours delay, but you're not going to get a damaged product, we're shipping your replacement already, don't we look great? Yeah, it's not, the ROI isn't de derived from the cost of the solution, but from the service delivered to the end client. A little bit more complicated than that becomes some of the solution templates that we're putting together with our colleagues from components and from global services.
we look at something like condition-based monitoring. Understanding in plant and machinery what is happening when and where. When something's going to break rather than when it has broken. Well, we work with analog devices from our components business, Shearatech, one of our customers and components. We've looked at if we can generate the data at point, if we can get the data that first mile, surely that starts to make the whole concept and approach of IoT a little bit more palatable, a little bit easier, a little bit easier onboarding. The design manufacture of a product, a little bit like Hanha, it's already been done. For a partner who's coming from an IT background, we're getting the data to the cloud. It's back to being within your core competencies. How do you start to then look at layering the service on? First and foremost, what's happening? Next, how can we improve business process? So instead of having 20 spare parts sat on the shelf, can we bring that down? Can we look at preventative maintenance rather than maintenance when there's a problem? Supporting some of these templates will do an element of research and building the value prop around particular verticals. So that actually what we give you is not a market-ready solution that's an off-the-shelf buy this bill, but a template that gets you 80% of the way there. Something that allows you to go and test the proposition of digital transformation, IoT. Is it something that I can put my toe in the water with and de-risk? Not bet the house on it. And we go and trial this. And, and if it works, fantastic. We can build a proposition around this and go to customer B, customer C, customer D. So really, just for me to wrap up, yeah, IoT to us, from an Arrow perspective, we have a lot of skills and competencies across a myriad of businesses that are a little bit like an iceberg that I showed you at the start. A lot of our customers from an ECS perspective don't really know that we have components, services. We have a wide range of suppliers that we deal with. Again, not just the 120 plus in ECS, but extending out into global services and components. We have a lot of interesting partners that don't just write code, create applications, don't just resell technology, don't just integrate IT kit, but actually are involved with our Arrow engineers in designing, building and manufacturing encapsulated products that actually get us that first mile. When we bring that all together, what we can bring to bear is a view of the world where we can go, do you know what? Whether you have a mature, mature proposition or whether you're wanting to test the market, we can go as deep or as light as you want. But even though we're a global organization, we can't do it all on our own. So geographically specific partners like yourselves, partners who bring competencies in the vertical, all help complement the vendors, the arrow businesses, 
that are going to market today with an IoT and a digital transformation perspective. Um, my ask, a little bit like Andrew's earlier, is really if, if you feel as though there is an opportunity to, to understand your clients be better, to, to discuss the business issues, the business issues that they have today and the challenges that they're facing, don't think it's something that you can't do or that you have to do alone. We can bring a lot of skills and experience to bear in discovery. So building a business canvas model, understanding a client. We can bring skills and experience that actually are pretty rare in and around that ECS channel through our components customers. And we can kick, help kickstart a business and an engagement through some of the solution approaches that we have. And I think that's it, really, from, from my perspective. Yeah, reach out. Yeah. As Andy said at the start, yeah, sometimes the answer might not be as straightforward or as simple as, as you'd like to hear. Sometimes it might be clients already got something that we can better utilize. It's how we, we help you identify opportunities, profitable opportunities at that, and how we help you maintain a level of, of relevance and competency within your customer base, existing and new. And I think from there, that's me done. And I'd just like to invite back Andy and Andrew, Simon and Jamie, if you'd like to join me up on stage. We'll kick off the uh, panel discussion. So, first of all, I'd like each of you to obviously introduce yourselves. Um, very briefly, Andrew. Yeah, I'm the same person who presented earlier. <laughs> Andrew Bickley, IoT, mainly from the uh, data acquisition perspective. Jamie. Thank you. So, uh, my name's James Davey. Um, I run engineering uh, in a region we call UBE, so UK Benelux and Emerging Markets, uh, for our Arrow Global Components business. Simon. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, so, yes, yeah, Simon Wileyman. So, actually, now I'm running Intel's EMEA IoT business. So, nice to be here. And Andy. Yeah, still Andy Smith, Global <laughs> Services. Can, so you, we, um, can you check the volume there because it's uh, not really working? Do you need me hand the microphone over? So it can be difficult to get technology working. Um, so in preparation for this afternoon, this this panel this this panel session session, um, we cast out across the business and asked for asked for a few questions um, to be submitted. So um, we'll open it up to the audience in due course. But uh, quickly, I'd like Jamie. Can you pass the mic over to Andy? And we'll start off, Andy. Um, you spoke about digital transformation and business model canvas earlier. Um, we often speak about OT partners and IT partners, especially when we get together. Um, do you think that the traditional relationships that you find coming from either end, OT and IT, um, 
Is it? Is there challenges extending off the factory floor for OT partners and challenges for IT partners extending out of the office in really starting to to understand that why piece? Do they do they struggle in really getting to the crux of that investment in understanding an end client business? I absolutely they do, and um, I come from what we now call the OT side of the business 30 odd years in electronics and embedded and and when i started talking with you and some of your colleagues in enterprise computing i found we spoke a different language we both come from a technology background but we we don't share a, a common language at all and so i've spent a lot of time figuring out how to bridge that divide a little bit internally inside arrow and i think that's something that as it and ot come together the industry needs to figure out. We're not standards-based in the way that IT is. There's a lot of fragmentation in, in our world of electronics and, and embedded computing, and that is part of the challenge, but it's also just about the mindset, engineering versus business approach. All of that requires um, a coming together of understanding. So whether that be working with companies like Intel who share this also, and Microsoft, who also have a foot in both worlds, uh, we're all coming to terms with how to bridge that divide. Thank you. I, does anybody have anything to add to that? And Andy, I think you had a, a good point there, Andy. I mean, the, most of the customers that we speak to from a, a component side would, would not understand you know, many of the conversations taking place here today. Most of these customers are, uh, are not even looking to, to connect their devices to uh, some network of some description. They're typically looking just to solve a, a, an engineering functional problem. And, and I think we have got, got a lot of opportunity to go to these customers and, and take them through this uh, digital transformational journey that everyone's been talking about here today, to then get onto a network, to then so, you know, start um, adding and, 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 and servicing those customers and partners through additional solutions and services that we can, we can add to that, that space. Just, just to stay on that subject for a second, Jamie, do you see that, that customers from that, that traditional en engineered world, I mean, how are they getting access to cloud and application and development and IT type skills. Are they partnering as, as we've spoken about or are they going to um, to the channel? Are they going to um, outsourcing contracts? Are they going to vendors? Just interested in your view there. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, so what we see, and I think this is where we would talk to uh, Andrew's team on IoT, is that they would first of all be looking at how would I get a device connected to a gateway? I mean, that is their you know, vision of, yeah. of where the, the cloud and, and data and everything else lives, is once I get a product onto the gateway, then, then and it, to be honest with you, at that point, they wouldn't necessarily know what to do. Um, I don't know, I mean, Andrew, if, you, if you've got a, a comment there about once you're on the gateway, where they go next with that? Yeah, I think, um when, you, when you're looking at data, you've got to ask yourself the serious question is, you know, do I need this data real time? Do I need this data in the next 15 minutes, the next two days, three days? And that decides where you put the data. So if you need something every 15 seconds, then you're going to rely on the gateway. And you're going to say, I don't necessarily need to transmit data to the cloud. I need to transmit it to the data. And if I can make a decision on that data within 15 seconds or one minute, and then I can delete the data because I don't need it because I've made my decision, then you don't need the cloud. So you've got to architect it so that you know where you're making the decisions on the data. You know where you're going to store the data if you need to store it. And if you are, then push it to the cloud. But if you can do everything at the gateway, because when you do something in the cloud, it's a sunk cost. You're paying for it. When you're doing something at the gateway, 
you've already paid for it, and it doesn't owe you anything. But when you go to the cloud, you're paying a monthly subscription. So you've got to architect between where are you making the decisions, where are you spending the money. And we're really well skilled to look at this and help you through that to make sure that you don't overkill in what you do in the cloud versus what you do at the gateway. Andrew, um, we spoke about so, taking that step back and looking at the why, looking for the ROI, and not being sucked into that technology trap. But there are so many standards and protocols out there, especially when it comes to things such as getting that first mile. I, I'm just really interested in, from, from the perspective of the audience, which come from an IT background, yeah, is, it, is it something that they, they really have to get themselves educated on, that they really have to focus on? Or, or is it something that, again, just back to this, this partnership piece, should they look to address that by looking for core competencies in partners? So I, I would say that I'm a pretty frustrated guy when it comes to connectivity. And I probably ask the question that all of you will ask is, why can I, ha can I not get one bloody wireless standard, which I can use everywhere, and it gets my data where it needs to go, right? That's, uh, that's a reasonable request, right? Why do I have to have Bluetooth? Why do I have to have Wi-Fi? Why do I have to have cellular? Why can't I have one standard which gets me where I need to go, right? Um, now, this is coming. And this is going to be largely out of our control because it's going to be something called 5G. And how the operators cost 5G will decide on whether that's what we use as the ubiquitous technology now to move, to move data around. But, but right now, you've got to be careful of what I will call the shiny ball syndrome. So it used to be Sigfox, shiny ball. You know, let's go use Sigfox. And then people would discover limitations. And then, you know, it was LoRa. And then many of you may have dipped your toe into something called narrowband IoT. And then, you know, what the operators struggled with is, guess what? They didn't figure out, figure out the roaming commercials between operator to operator on narrowband IoT. So what I would say is, be really careful. Um, avoid the shiny ball syndrome. Come and talk to Arrow, because we've probably been in that discussion longer than you have. We've probably been burnt. We've probably learnt. And we will guide you through the mistakes that you could make and the mistakes that you need, you need to avoid. But you will see an enormous amount of hype and marketing around something. And it, you'll be tempted to jump on that bandwagon and say, this is for me. I would really, really implore you to call Arrow and say, give me your take on this. Is this right for me? Is this right for my application? Thank you. Um, Simon, question for you. So, um, Intel, uh, one of the more unique suppliers that we work with because your technology, your line card, touches every element of our, our business, whether it's at, at the core in the data center through OEMs, whether it's at the, at the edge, the gateway level, or, and even down at the core componentry level. Um, we have quite a robust strategy around partnerships. Yeah, it's one of the yeah, one of the big pushes for us around things like market-ready solutions that include Intel technology. I'm just interested in, in your view and take on the value to be derived from partnerships in the channel and in the the building of solutions from an IoT perspective. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try not to speak as loud, loudly as Andrew, so still covering my left ear, but uh, hopefully I'll get the sweet spot. Um, so I kind of answer in a long-winded way, but hopefully be really clear. Um, you know, IoT is 
really complex, you know, just kind of sat at the back listening to the presentations, lots of complexity. I think you shared a point earlier, which is like 70% of IoT projects fail. Um, and we kind of have seen that over the years. And we do a lot of work with our technologies, working with OEMs who develop solutions to solve IoT problems. And what we've uh, realized is that OT world is where those OEMs live, developing those solutions. And they have their own routes to market, their own channels, um, and their own kind of end customers. And we're seeing the enterprise world and normal industries start to look at IoT solutions to solve business problems. And there's no connectivity between that OT world and that IT world. So what, what we've done is trying, we're trying to merge the two. Okay, so we have this program called Market Ready Solutions. Where we've worked with these OEMs who have built these solutions, who are the experts to solve these business problems. And we are enabling them to scale into different industries, whether that's retail, industrial, you, you name the segment. We've got partners who have developed solutions for specific use cases in virtually every segment. And we're working with Arrow, and we're kind of calling it Arrow as our aggregator. So Arrow are signing up these OEM companies that have built these solutions onto their line card and are able to offer those solutions to you guys, to customers who want to implement their own IoT solutions or to SIs and ISVs who want to supply IoT solutions to end customers. So Arrow are playing a critical role here for us. Um, we have a stand right outside that entrance where we've just shown, I think, kind of four of these IoT solutions from our partners. And the, the critical thing here is each of these solutions has already been deployed. They're scalable. Um, they, they work and they drive an ROI to the end customer. So whether that's uh, you know, a, a, retail, a retailer who's looking to understand you know, kind of people movement through their store, or they want a smart shelving solution, or they want optimized inventory management from the warehouse to their store. Uh, we have solutions for all of those. You know, we have predictive maintenance solutions. We have vision solutions. You know, if you if you look at the camera on the stand out there, it's actually going to give you an approximation of your age. Uh, so that might be a good thing. Uh, I mean, I it got me a little bit older than I am, so I, you know, it probably needs a bit of work. But it's, have, go and have a look at it. And that's the bottom line, really. We're trying to pull ecosystems together and enable everybody to deploy IoT solutions a lot easier. Thank you. Jamie, a question for you. So part of your role is working with businesses, designers, startups even, that, that are looking at bringing new products, new services to market, certainly, certainly down at the edge. Um, there doesn't seem to be a week goes by where new products released, uh, a, a new startup is formed and comes to market. Um, and, and a lot of them are very good at, at, at picking up on a particular point or uh, a particular, particular business use case. Uh, and, and I suppose it's easy. I mean, we see a lot of our, our ECS partners come to us and say, well, yeah, I'm looking for a connected hard hat. You know, there's, there's these guys on the web. Uh, is there anything that... From, from your perspective, yeah, working with new tech and seeing new products being developed and brought to the field, is there anything that you know, buyers should be, be aware of or be wary of? Or, uh, are there things that Arrow are doing to try and help 
accelerate some of that new tech to market? Um, so, so there's a, a few things in there that I, I guess I would answer. So first of all, um, what should you be aware of? Let, let maybe start with that piece. So I think a, a couple of things is, depending on the end market application that um, you, you, you know your business is in, I think you need to consider what components or what technology has been chosen to support that. And a good example is the aerospace and defense market. So for example, aerospace and defense has extremely long um, cycle times and extremely long expectation of the, of the, of the availability of, this, of those components. Yet, if you were to take an off-the-shelf startup uh, or even an off-the-shelf product and put it into that market, you may well find very quickly that by the time you want to deploy that end product, uh, many of the components inside that device have already gone end of life. Uh, so that'd be one extreme example, but one thing you need to be, be yeah. conscious of. Um, I think the other thing to be conscious of is, and something that Andrew brought up is, um, the, the, the connectivity solutions today are evolving very quickly, and it isn't necessary that those end products that you see are aligned with the connectivity solutions that make sense. So for example, if you, if you didn't keep up with Laura, as Andrew was saying, you would then find a situation where you couldn't update the firmware, although from a, a solution and technology point of view, that would make a lot of sense. Um, and I think the third thing is, 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 is an area that, w that we're looking quite closely at now is, is actually how, how can we help some of our, our, um, our customers, as we would call them, and they would be sensor technology companies and, and, o and other um, s uh, hardware solution providers typically uh, go to market quicker. And one way we're looking at that is actually bringing those um, end customer products back onto the Arrow Line card and then helping um, yourselves or, you know, for, through, through Intel and also through ECS partners sell, sell those products to um, your end customers, your end, your end markets. And I think that's a, a nice way of actually helping uh, both the demand side for our customers and supply side for yourselves um, be solved in that way. Thank you. Um, I think we've time. I think we have a few minutes uh, just to open it up to the audience and ask if there are any questions while we have our panel here today. Andy, the um, design design methodology that you put up on your foil, you said it that you do charge for it, Arrow. I'm just interested, how much does it cost and how long does it take? I was waiting for that question. Okay, well, there you go. There it is. It's it's actually not a one size fits all, but it's in the realm of ten thousand pounds to thirty thousand pounds, depending on the scale of the engagement, and sometimes that involves a number of weeks of. Uh, deployment of some sort of prototype at the back end, which is why the higher figure. If we're just talking about a business transformation engagement, that consulting, typically it's about a three-week, four-week engagement, including the, the workshop in the middle and the pre-work and, and then deliverables at the back end. Yeah, so the outcome would be some kind of costed proposals about how we would actually implement the solutions that come out of those business priorities. So then there's a, a next step option for that client to then go forward with a project if the project falls out of it, yes. Let's talk. Well, I think the closing remarks for me, and thank you for everyone for taking part and, uh, and putting up with, with the questions. Um, some of them I know are rudimentary to you. Um, the closing remarks are, yeah, it's, it's not good enough to understand the technology. Understanding your customers and clients, 
to build a successful IoT business is absolutely key as well. Um, understanding your place and your role, yeah, how you class your business, your products and solutions in that ecosystem, again, is really important as well. How you embark, how you take those first steps, again, yeah, absolutely essential. Um, we've learned a lot over the last few years as Arrow, as a collective group, with our suppliers like Intel. And I would just encourage you not to embark on that journey alone. Um, reach out to your current key contacts. Uh, reach out to us as a virtual team. And um, really, you know, try and leverage the value derived from the wider Arrow business, um, whether it be IoT or, or any of the other breakout sessions here today. Um, I think there's, there's a lot that we can do to, to help uh, along the way, whether it be build a business, enhance a business around IoT. And um, I think, yeah, we look forward to hopefully speaking to you in due course. So thank you so much for joining this, uh, this breakout session. Thank you so much for everyone who's uh, joined the Q&A panel, Andrew, Andy, for presenting. Um, and thank you.
around either on the Intel stands, which is just right outside this, this door here, or round on the Arrow Hub, uh, we have the smart office uh, space analytics solution. Each one of these is ready to go to market. Um, and so once we know what your business problem is, we have these and many more solutions to apply. So with that, I think my colleague Andrew Bickley will, uh, will now take the stage. Thank you. Yes. So, good afternoon. Um, my claim to fame. So, I, w I believe I was the first person to see IoT actually invented. So, the year was 2003. I was living in Finland working with Nokia. It was February. It was like minus 25 outside. And a Nokia guy says, come to my office. I go into his office and he takes his mobile phone. He connects his mobile phone to his sauna at his cottage in the, uh, in the country, and he turns the sauna on, and he says, I'm now going to drive for an hour. When I get to the sauna, it'll be warm, and I'll go straight into the sauna. And that, for me, was the first time that I saw practical IoT. So that was in 2003. And 16 years later, we're going to explain to you how we see IoT uh, today. So. Uh, question for the audience: uh, Anybody seen this movie? Yeah, uh, I've got the I've got the video, I've got the DVD, and I've got the the Netflix uh, download. And the important thing about this video is literally just take a look around and see what's happening, right? Because things are moving incredibly fast. And if you think about it, the discussion that we've all probably been associated with sometime over the last three to four years is around somebody in a company saying, I need to digitize my business. So what, what, what does that mean? It basically means I need more information about what, what's happening real time in my business. So we had the digital transformation. And then that moved into IoT, connecting things up. And now we have something called artificial intelligence or AIoT. So what is that? But all of these things have happened literally in the last three to four years. And you could argue that we never actually got through digital transformation before IoT came, and now we have um, AIoT. So digital transformation, I think, is well underway. And companies saying, you know, we're going to change. We're going to get more information. We're going to make informed decisions, real-time information. But in order to do that, we need IoT. And IoT is basically connecting things up, uh, getting real-time information, processing that, making some decision outcome based on that. And one of the really interesting things is when we work with customers and we help them network their devices so that they can bring data in, we ask them the simple question, what are you going to do with your data? And you'd be at 50 cents per device per month. Per device per month. So barely a cup of coffee. barely a cup of coffee. you can send 50,000 messages per month. 
per month. 50 cents per device. Flawless. So the important thing about that is, the important thing if you're about sales, is, you've never seen you know exactly sales. what your costs you know are going to be. You don't have to employ your data center. You don't have to set up your own cloud infrastructure. So you're actually just renting any service or mounting this service around what we call the first line of IoT from data connecting things up so that you can get your data so you can get the first insights into what's happening. That's what's driving a lot of when you've got those insights and you've done the data analysis where it makes sense to do it. Where it makes sense to do it. What the hell are you going to do with the data? So one of the things we see with IoT companies, so the next thing we've got is this either comes so you're either so you're either incredibly comfortable now with doing hardware design. connected everything up, you may have done eight or nine, well, well-employed hardware career, all now in your career, and they're in production. Now you've got to have a smart way of understanding and you're incredibly good in databases, software, analyze, so that's just your weight on hardware. Some of that information you might not need right now. Asking you're going to start in the cloud, you're going to analyze it in the next 24 hours or the next three to four days. You're not interested in the cloud, you're not interested in the hardware, you're not interested in the hardware, and the cloud comes with a cloud. We're going to need more data. I've already selected my cloud. I've already selected data. How do you get cloud communication? We're going to have to break down into those simple equations. These are coming from a hardware perspective. You need to know more about the cloud. You need to know more about the cloud. But it's very easy to build up more about and you need to know more about areas and there are two areas and this is what Andy was saying earlier. A lot of people get stuck in so the phase of, thing about you know, so why the am I doing this, how is we bridge it, and realizing it's going to go whether you're a hardware guy, whether you're a not so guy, not so experienced or whether you're a cloud guy, whether you're a cloud guy, you will speed up the POC process and you'll get to a business group that we work with customers. So we will take any couple of things which are driving any data format. Is we will cost to any So now, if you look at data, you need to consider us as the plumbing, consider us as the plumbing of data, getting your data to where it was generated. So if you talk to a CFO of a company and say, you know, how much data are you going to be sending? That's going to cost you two cents. Yeah, the CFOs get excited about that, as opposed to you telling a CFO, uh, before you send any data, you've got to invest something like two to three hundred thousand dollars in hardware. So the cost of sending data over a cellular network just became incredibly low. It now means that people can look at IoT and not have to put hardware in place to send the data. And then if you look at the other side, if you're working with cloud, 